We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Dude, Senior Bowl was a lot of fun. Being able to go through a whole bunch of that stuff. The combine list just hit, um, I believe it was yesterday, to kind of take a look at that. Um, go through the names that we... Uh, expect to be there and also find some names that we didn't like we thought should be there, but didn't get the invitation to actually go. So it's interesting at this particular point in draft community to try to find players that you um, have a lot of information on some players that you really want to kind of take another look at and are kind of disappointed in that aren't going to be at the combine, man. How are you hanging up? Doing good. I'm really exhausted. I mean, the last couple of weeks we had Shrine game. I was catching up on that. We had the Senior Bowl, watching all the practice, staying up off of that, watching the game. And then the Combine announcement, I had to go through and match up my list, figure out who was always missing. And off my list, there was only like three guys that were actually invited that I didn't already have on my list. And quite a few guys. And there's an article up on milehighhuddle.com that talks about guys that I viewed as snubs. And there's a, there's a few more that didn't even make that list. Some um, questionable people are were left out for various reasons. And I'd be curious to what those are, but uh, I'm excited. We're taking that next step combines nearly here. And uh, I'm excited to get around to, you know, watching that and breaking down everything we get out of that. Yeah. I'm curious. I haven't got a chance to check out your article yet. Um, I, I saw it drop earlier this afternoon. I was actually helping a buddy of mine um, move out of his house. He's moving across the country, which is unfortunate. But uh, um, I haven't really got a chance to check that out. The one name that I do know that was a big snub, not only from you in our group chat, but also from the draft network, was Carl Brooks, the edge out of Bowling Green. Um, quickly on him really fast, what, did you th- what are the big reasons why you think he's such a, a huge snub of not getting an invite to the combine? Well, one of the things that I always look at when I'm determining a snub, whether it be for the Pro Bowl or the Combine or whatever, is who made it that I don't view, or and how many made it, that I don't view as a better prospect or a better player in the case of the Pro Bowl. And among those interior defensive linemen edge hybrids this year, there were only one or two that made it that I view as better, as clearly better as Carl Brooks. This is a guy that a lot of people that I've seen, I've read, people's opinions I respect, people I've talked to, they're all talking about him as a top 75 pick at the latest. So it's just a, it's very questionable that he was left off it. And then he goes out and he absolutely killed it at the senior bowl. He had a really strong week there and it carried over into the game a little bit. So just questionable and um, combine invites. They typically go out in early January. So the senior bowl didn't have much of an impact on it, but they always send out a few late invites as well. 
So him not getting one of those is also questionable. There's just a few guys that are like, there's little cheddar, this guy even being a priority free agent. So what's what's the deal with him? And it's worth remembering that last year, there was like 120 or so players that were drafted or that were invited to the combine that went undrafted. So, I mean, and there was 32 last year that weren't invited that got drafted. So there's clearly a little bit of a line there. I mean, granted, part of it is they invited 322 prospects last year yep. compared to 258, 64, something like that, around 260 picks. So that's a big increase for that. But Carl Brooks, he's one of the biggest subs. And then Marte Mapu, a safety linebacker hybrid out of Sacramento State. He's one that I understand a little bit more because he really came on during the collegiate bowl after the combine invites went out. But then it got to the point where he got called up to the senior bowl. And it's like, okay, you have a late invite. Why didn't he get one there? Because there are some linebacker safety hybrids that uh, that were invited to the combine that what I've seen of Marte Mapu is he, he's a much better prospect. Yeah, I'm, I'm super interested, and I, I got to go and, and get myself caught up. This week has been kind of hell on me. Um, my my wife is in New Orleans right now, so I've been at home alone with the kids, so I've not really been able to sit down and do a whole bunch of extra work like I wanted to. So it's going to be interesting to kind of dive through everything. The Combine is one of my most favorite things that we do every single year, obviously. So I'm, I'm very excited to get into, into stuff like that and obviously continue on with my scouting. But today, guys... On, on today's show, we have a jam-packed episode of Dove Alley Deep Divers for you. We're going to dive through some of the potential trade pieces the Broncos have on this roster. We're going to dive through um, a couple of marquee names that can bring some value for the Broncos because they don't have a whole lot of draft capital right now. After getting rid of the first-round pick that they got for the Bradley, for Bradley Chubb from Miami, they sent that to uh, New Orleans to get Sean Payton. So that's a, that's a big piece the Broncos are missing here. They've got two third round picks, a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, and I think a seventh round pick right now. So only five actual selections for the Broncos in this class, and they need to have a lot more talent brought into this. So maybe it's a good idea to take a look at some of these trade pieces. But before we get into any of that, guys, I want to say hello to everybody, and thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. we got Savage Boy Kev in the house over on Twitch, uh, Kevin Gray, uh, Nat Noble's in the house. Dave Yunkin, that's a new name for me. David Yunkin, we'll uh, see if you come back in here for a minute. Um, thank you for joining us. Jetty Splash as well. Uh, First No Fears in the house. Cody Ives, my buddy that's actually moving across country, is actually at my house right now. Uh, but uh, good to see him here and as well. Um, Michael Lazari, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Eric, what's up, dude? Want to give a big shout-out and a happy birthday to Phil. Thank you for joining yes. us. Hope you're having a wonderful birthday, Phil. Yes, thank you, Phil, for joining us as always. And, of course, very happy birthday to you. Hopefully we can keep you entertained here for about another 45, 50 minutes, something like that. So thank you for all. Thank you for joining us. And we'd sing a happy birthday, but we don't want to, you know, damage your hearing a little bit. Neither one of us can sing worth crap. Well, I I can kind of sing, but it's mostly like death metal growling and stuff so <laughs> we, we, we really don't want to do that here but uh, thank you all for joining us we appreciate you all for being here um first things first eric obviously 
you and I have talked about it multiple different times in terms of the roster as it's constructed, or at least it was coming down towards the end of the season. There was a lot of holes. Obviously the offensive line is the big one that everyone's like the Broncos have to do something to address that. Uh, Dalton Reisner is a, is a pending free agent. Lloyd Cushenberry has not lived up to being a third round pick. He's very, very struggled throughout his career as a Denver Bronco. Um, and, there's a Graham Glasgow as well as a, as a potential cut candidate or a restructure candidate as well. Uh, the right tackle situation has been just an, a, an absolute travesty ever since Orlando Franklin left back in 2014. So offensive line is something the Broncos definitely have to take a look at. But the other guy that they have, other than Quinn Miners, who's going to be the rocket right guard, left tackle Garrett Bowles coming off of a broken fibula this last season. Um, has a very movable contract that you can kind of get away from. I believe it's they they could free up like nine point eight million dollars in salary cap space if they if they cut him. They can restructure him if he's willing to do something like that. But what kind of trade value does Garrett Bowles have out on the open market as a experienced left tackle that's played at a high level in in terms of uh, probably top ten ish left tackle in the NFL? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the big thing is to trading him is you're going to still see $8 million in dead money from him and freeing up a little over $9.8 million off the salary cap. And then if you trade him, you also have to turn around and spend that money for another left tackle. Yeah. So it's essentially, do you want two tackles for roughly the same price or do you just want one tackle for the price it is? I think it's better to save before I get into the trade value, I think it's better to keep bulls around for this year. You're trying to turn things around with Russell Wilson, with the new head coach. You want to keep the pieces intact. And then if it doesn't work out or you have, when you have more draft capital or, and a little bit more flexibility with their personal contract, because it's much easier, easier financially to trade Garrett bulls next year. You do. So his value is interesting to me because of where he's at in terms of a left tackle in the NFL. He's not, it's like right around top 10. Like he gets a lot of crap for holds and everything like that. And some of the sacks he gives up, like there's issues with him. So I don't want to say he's concrete top 10, but when you look at other left tackles around the NFL, there's a lot of really bad ones out there. 
So he's yeah. still right on that cusp of it. Like, so that hurts. That's a questionable thing. That's a aspect to his value that you have to consider. Then coming back from an injury, coming back from his, and figuring out his inconsistency, the contract aspect of it. There's a lot that goes into it. And I think overall his value is probably a third or fourth round pick or, or third round, fourth round value, I guess is a better way to put it. Cause when you say pick it determine, it makes it seem like that's the pick you want, but it can be a third round value and you can get two fourth round picks to match that value you have. So I think it's somewhere in that range for Garrett Bowles, but I could easily see it being a little bit lower because of the inconsistencies, because of his age, and because mm-hmm. of the fact he's coming back from an injury. Yeah, so born on May, I just had it pulled up here, May 27th, 1992. So by the time that uh, the draft cycle, we get to the draft or just after the draft, he's going to be 31 years old. Uh, I'm not a math guy. I believe that's right, 31 years old. Um, and we've also only seen one truly consistent season from him. And that was a couple of years ago when Eric, you and I were like pounding the table that the Broncos needed to have him. He was going to play at a, I said an all pro level at that particular point, And he did. So with, with, with a guy like Garrett Bowles, you, you're coming off the injury. You've been an up and down player. The holding issues have always been there. It's been a, a major issue with him. Um, and then you have the age on top of it. I, I if you if you can get third round value for a player like that, that's fine. But what is the cost to go and get another tackle to play at that particular point? You're not finding that in the fourth round. You're going to have to go out and find somebody in free agency. And the tackle market this year in free agency, specifically at the left tackle position, is not very good. Like, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anybody that can come in and play left tackle immediately. Cam Fleming, maybe, who played fairly decently at left tackle this last season. I, I, to me, moving on from Garrett Bowles is it, – it's an idea, but it's not a very good one. Yeah. And I, he's a guy that I think that they'll go out, they'll talk to him, they'll talk to his agents, and they'll try to figure out a restructure for him because, honestly, keeping him at a 17.8 cap salary cap hit this year is a bit rough, and there are ways they can lower that cap hit down. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned it before, doing something similar that they did with Graham Glasgow – last year to and where they end up keeping him doing something similar with Garrett Bowles where it makes it even easier to move him on from him financially the following season. He's a guy that I think ultimately he'll be back on a restructure. I just don't think that there's enough of a market with the issue on the salad with the offensive line to really move him because the the issue with that is you're making a weak unit significantly weaker by trading one of your guys you have locked in as a starter. And you already have to replace three guys, three starters on your offensive line. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just rough to move on from him. And that's going to be a common thread with all these guys we're going to be talking about as trade options. You're just going to be making your roster significantly weaker in a year where you don't have the draft capital to replace them with cheaper options and you don't have the financial flexibility exactly over the next couple of years to go out and sign big guys to replace them either. So it's a good this is a great year for them to go out, use what draft picks they have for some developmental guys try to turn things around, bring in some key free agents at key positions like the offensive line, and then turn around, reevaluate next year after Sean Payton's had a year on the job, and then look at these same guys that we're going to talk about again and possibly trade them at that point. 
Right. So I want some more context on this situation here with in terms of Garrett Bowles doing a restructure. And you said they could do a, something similarly with Graham Glasgow. And I want to talk about him here in just a second as well. But uh, with Graham Glasgow last year, what exactly did they do with that contract and how they made it so it was much more palatable to keep him on the roster? What's, what, what can they do similarly with Garrett Bowles to, to make that $17 million cap hit be a, a little bit easier to, to, uh, to carry forward? I mean, a restructure is essentially you're taking base salary that's guaranteed, turning it into, you know, like signing bonus and other types of bonuses, and then to where they have to earn that money back or it gets spread out a little bit. Garrett Bowles this year, he has 13.75 as a base salary this year. And something that they, I can't remember how much, I think it was like 8 million or so of Graham Glasgow that they took and turned into a, and turned and flipped into, you know, just bonuses essentially. You could probably look at doing something similar with that, taking his 13.75, making $8 million of that into a bonus. So he still has 5.75 as a base salary, 8 million turning probably 4 million of that into a signing or yeah, about 4 million of that into a signing bonus, which puts another $2 million on the books next year. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it in incentives for performance on the game of like how many having fewer than X amount of penalties, allowing fewer than X sacks, X amount of starts, things like that. Um, and that's just, that's just what they can do. It's just turning that base salary, cutting it down and giving that money back with having to earn it as a signing bonus and just other types of bonuses. Right. And uh, another really cool thing that the Broncos can do in terms of, uh, like what you're, what, what you're talking about there is turning that base salary into bonuses, uh, likely to be earned bonuses and not likely to be earned bonuses, stuff like, um, Pro Bowl, all pro stuff like that. That's not necessarily likely to be earned from a guy like Garrett Bulls. Sure, he's been there before. It hasn't been there in a while. He's coming off an injury this last season. He didn't get any of those accolades. So technically, I, I have to go back and look at it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Uh, so because he didn't get a Pro Bowl nod or an All-Pro nod this year with the injury, if they put a, a clause in that contract where they have a, a million-dollar bonus for being an All-Pro this season, that's not likely to be earned. So that doesn't go against next year's cap if he does hit that accolade this season. Am I, am I wrong on that? Yeah, so how they do with bonuses is they have likely to be earned, and if it's likely to be earned, then it comes off the salary cap that year. If it's not likely to be earned, then it doesn't, and if it does go, if it does is achieved, then it comes off the following year. So in the case of Garrett Bowles with the All-Pro or even a Pro Bowl, neither one of them would be considered likely to be earned. So if he ends up making the Pro Bowl, the salary cap, it comes off the salary cap next year. If it doesn't happen, then that money just essentially goes poof. Yep. So the Broncos can get very creative with Garrett Bowles in terms of the restructure and whatnot. They can also add some void years if they wanted to, so you can restructure, extend that con that that contract out, add another year that's essentially a void year to drop that salary cap hit even lower. I wouldn't add void I'm years. Here. There's no there's no need for to add void years really. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that they they should, but it was just something that they could potentially do. There, they could. Another, uh, I'm just there's there's just no point in doing it really when you look at his contract. I mean, next year, even if they take that and take, cut that eight million out, and they turn four million of that to a signing bonus, that gets prorated over the final two years. That just yep. brings his dead cap, depending on how they structure the remaining four million as bonuses. That just brings his dead cap to. Six million dollars next year, while still saving sixteen million against the salary cap. So there's no point in adding, you know, void years because then you're just dragging out the dead money for longer than you need to. Yeah, it, it, that's that's something that the Saints do actually. It, specifically, talking to Mickey Loomis and what the New Orleans Saints did. 
circling this back to Sean Payton, that's the way that they ran everything down in New Orleans was they gave crazy signing bonuses, added on a whole bunch of void years. Like the Taysom Hill contract that he signs is like four years, like $60 million or whatever the heck it was. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they added like three void years off the end of that to give him a whole bunch of money up front. They dropped the salary cap hit to absolutely nothing. And then they're just going to void that money off and eat a whole bunch of dead money here in the next three seasons. Yeah, I'm void years are fine. Void years are fine when you're, you're signing the contract fresh, but in my opinion, when you get around to restructuring it, adding void years is just kicking the can down the road. And the Saints did that, and they look at the issue they're in. Don't want to see the same thing happen here in Denver. So it's just my personal opinion on that. Right. Uh, quick question here from William Catalano uh, regarding Bulls, and then we'll pivot off of this. Uh, someone told me last night in the feed that they went to Garrett Bulls about a restructure, and he flat out refused. Any reality to this, Eric? Not that I've heard, and it is. I, go ahead. Uh, well, I was—I haven't heard anything either, so yeah. th- that's all I wanted to say on that. Uh, pivoting off of that, but staying on the offensive line, Graham Glasgow. Um, we already just kind of went through this conversation here, but as a as a high quality cut candidate here for this Broncos team to be able to add some cap room. This to me is another way of I I, I kind of want to keep Graham Glasgow around. He played well enough at the center position. You don't know what you're going to get in the NFL draft. If there's a way to move some money around with Graham Glasgow, is that something the Broncos might be interested in? Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So I could, with the issues on the offensive line, and Graham Glasgow, he wasn't great last year by any means, never arguing that. He was solid for them. And with the issues they have on the offensive line, they could. I think they could feasibly cut him because you're not going to restructure him. You're not adding more years to his deal. You're going to let him go. You free up $11 million and you say, and you're dead, you have 3 million in dead, 14 million cap hit here. So you're not going to restructure him. You're not going to extend him. You're going to cut him and try to bring him back on a very cheap deal, probably in that four to $5 million on an average per year basis. That that's fine with me to be a depth piece on the offensive line. Cause he's shown that he can work at center. He can work at guard. Mm-hmm. So adding that versatility, and he does fit with what um, Sean Payton likes to do. He likes right. those big guys up front a little bit, not necessarily that are are solid movers, but not necessarily great. Um, somebody in the chat made a comment about asked about his offensive scheme. Um, he really loves gap stuff. He mm-hmm. absolutely loves it. He will throw in some outside zone stuff to, if he has the right running back for it. Right, um, but power power gap stuff ins- and even inside zone is his. Um, bread and butter really and what he loves to do something that he learned while being a disciple of bill parcells bill mm-hmm. parcells was big that way too um so graham glasgow fits what they want to do there 
And it really just depends. Can they make the money work after cutting him to bring him back on a deal? If he still wants to be in Denver, that is too. Because, I mean, a, a player like Graham Glasgow, nothing is going to go and break the bank uh, in terms of the open market. But if he wants to be around Denver, and there's a lot of players that do like to do something like that, where they, they, they're they released and say, we're going to bring you back, so don't go anywhere. Or maybe go test the open market and give us the opportunity to, to match it and, and we'll bring you back. So Glasgow to me is a, is a guy that I'm very interested in the Broncos bringing back. And for a lot of the same reasons that you just highlighted there, uh, there's some scheme versatility with him. You're going to be running a lot of ISO duo inside zone stuff that uh, that Graham Glasgow really does excel at. He's not uh, the best lateral mover to run outside zone. And you're absolutely correct with what Sean Payton likes to do here. Uh, pivoting back to trade candidates here, the Broncos – I don't want to say have an embarrassment of riches, but they have a lot of very good players at the wide receiver position. And one that keeps getting tossed around in terms of a potential trade piece is Cortland Sutton. I'm solidly against that move. Um, I, I think that Sutton, in terms of the leadership aspect and what he's able to do, I've, I've got an article coming up here at milehighhuddle.com about Cortland Sutton and how he fits into the Sean Payton uh, offense. But there's two other guys right now, both of whom are coming off of injury-marred seasons, one specifically in Tim Patrick, where he missed the entire season, but also K.J. Hamler. With with Patrick specifically, because you already have a guy like Cortland Sutton who is shown to be a reliable enough receiver, is, is Patrick a potential option to maybe move on from, given the fact that he has shown to be a reliable player. He's a very good locker room presence. And that contract is actually relatively easy to move on from. So moving Sutton or Patrick this year just isn't financially feasible. So if in terms of a trade, I mean, trades, if you're aiming for draft capital, then you're, or even early cap space, you have to, if you're going to trade them, it has to be pre-June 1st. You can't post-June 1st designate a trade. It has to happen after June 1st. Not like cuts, where you can designate two players as a post-June 1st cut prior to June 1st. Mm -hmm. So trading either one of them, you have more dead cap than you do save. And that's typically the first thing of that you look at. Are they, Will they save more than they have against, than they would have as dead cap? I mean, in the turn and with Tim Patrick, it's six point one million in dead cap, and then it's about just under five million in saved cap with Tim Patrick. So about one point one million difference there. And coming back from an injury, what's the trade value going to be? It's probably going to be pretty low, maybe a mid late day three picks, a round four round or round five round six, and moving on from in, from him in twenty twenty four. Same thing with Bulls. It's much more financially feasible. Cortland Sutton. He's got an 18.2, almost 18.3 dead or salary cap hit this year. He's it's 11, almost 11.5 million in dead cap to trade him. Mm -hmm. 11.5 compared to almost 6.8 saved. That's you're not trading Sutton with that kind of hit, with that kind of salary cap hit where you have to sit there and then turn around because look at how bad the receiver room was last year. After you know, with missing Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton missed some time, Jerry Judy missed some time, KJ Hamler stuff. That, look at what ended up happening. And you really want to go into the season starting off like that? No, if you trade one of these guys, you have to go out and you have to sign a veteran to come mm -hmm. in and be able to contribute right away. Because again, the goal is to turn this thing around. It is to make this team better. It is to compete, push for the playoffs and get Russell Wilson going again. Trading away weapons isn't the way to do that, especially when it's not financially feasible. 
go in, go all in again on this roster. I mean, some changes, of course. Keep the guys, keep the talent there, and then when it's financially feasible in 2024, you can move on from them then. I don't disagree with that. I, and Tom Lockoff jumping in here, $5 Super Chat. Thank you, Tom, for joining us. Guys, it's been a while. It has been a while, Tom. Haven't seen you around here in quite a while, so thank you for joining us again, man. Said, I would trade Colton Sutton and possibly side and trade Draymond Jones. I don't think he's a 15 to $18 million a year player. There's another comment that comes in here with William Catalano that says, I wouldn't give Draymond Jones more than 10 to $11 million a season. Back to Tom here. In terms of Draymond Jones, he was another player that we had kind of talked about before coming live and the one that we wanted to really highlight here. So we'll pivot to him. Draymond Jones is that guy that you're, you're talking what, – what was the franchise tag number that came out for Draymond Jones? Uh, 19-something. 19, 19 like, there's no way. And I'm with William Catalano here. I probably wouldn't give Draymond more than about $12 million. I, Like That's the line of demarcation that I have with Draymond Jones. Um, he's been a quality player, and he's been an ascending player. He's been playing very well, especially over the last about season and a half. For a third-round pick, you pretty much got the value you're getting out of him. I think he's going to want more than that. I think he's going to want would, that 12. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. What would you give a top three interior pass rusher? What would you give him? How much? Average per year basis. Uh, based on current contract values of like Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, uh, DeForest Buckner, or something like that, uh, those guys are making 22, 23 a year, somewhere around that. I, 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 I'm, I'm at least in the ballpark on that. So 20 maybe? 20, okay. like so you should here? be willing to grab Jamon Jones that because when he before he got hurt, he was top three in every statistical category for interior pass rushers before he got hurt. And his run defense was still was right there in line with those interior pass rushers. So when okay. he is healthy, he has proven to be one of the top interior pass rushers in the NFL. And I don't want to call it hate because I know it's not intended hate, it's different opinions in here. Draymond Jones is an outstanding player. Yes. He caused so much havoc. And then to factor in the fact that he got a lot of this, I mean, thereafter, you know, Bradley Jubb was traded, you mm -hmm. lost Randy Gregory, Baron mm -hmm. Browning was dealing with injuries, and he was still performing as a top three interior defensive lineman and in terms of pass rush. And mm -hmm. his run defense still was solid. His run defense hasn't ever been hasn't ever been great, but it's still solid. As has a lot of other interior pass rushes. I know there's a big thing about Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's run defense gets a little overlooked because mm -hmm. it's solid, but because of how outstanding he is as a pass rusher. Draymond mm -hmm. Jones doesn't get that benefit because he hasn't had those big moments like Aaron Donald has where he's really fully taken over games, I guess would be the way to put it. Right. But statistically, advanced analytics, everything like that, Draymond Jones is one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL. Now, that said... I don't really want to pay him the almost $20 million on the franchise tag, but I'd do it because he is a great player and you make your defensive line significantly weaker. And I think the biggest thing is that you get the versatility of it, of the option of, hey, we franchise tagged you. We can now work out a deal. I think Max, I would rather see a deal done no more than 15 on an average per year basis, which is still a really good contract in his case, and it does factor in the injuries that he has dealt with because mm -hmm. as great as he is when he's healthy, once those injuries happen, you know, that is an issue there. Draymond Jones is a great player. He should be paid as such. And I'm I'm with Tom here, fifth, not thinking he's 15 to 8. I think 15 is the max I'd go, 
but I would still franchise tag him just for that extra time to try to get a long-term extension done because then he could focus on getting that done after the draft, after free agency, instead of trying to get an extension done now. I don't disagree with anything you said there. I, I, I do believe that Draymond Jones is a, a very highly talented player. He's a very highly skilled player, and he is one of the, the, the better defensive linemen in the NFL in terms of what he is capable of doing as a one to three technique. I think that he is better suited to play as an explosive bursty player oh. up the, like, I, I think that that's. He's a five tech. He's a five tech. Ah, man. I, I, I don't. I, I think he's better playing over the guard than he is over the tackle. He doesn't have the burst. In the he, statistically, he's not. I, I think you can look at the advanced, the same, the advanced analytics, the stats, everything like that, even tape. He is much better and does more as a five tech or even as a stand up seven edge rusher. He got like three sacks this last year as a stand up seven tech when they were without Randy Gregory going opposite. Right. Randy so, Gregory. so if you're if you're saying but interior, he's a pass first rusher, guy. If you're a five if you're tech is still an interior pass rusher. A five in tech a three, is still four defense, sure. In a three, no, four in any defense, it's five tech is still an interior pass rusher. Inside Once you get shoulder. to seven nine, that's your edge rushers, right? And they they played him five and seven for the the, the majority of the the tail end of the season. They played season. him as a five think... for the majority of the season, not seven. They stood him up as a seven, but he played the majority of his reps as a five technique. Right. I I think that he's better suited to play inside and play more over the guard than he is because he has the the twitch and athleticism to to shoot that gap in the B gap, and I think he's better suited to play as a three technique. That's just my personal opinion. So, it, like, and, and I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from on that. But I, I think that in terms of where, where people think of interior pass rushers, and I understand where you're coming from here. I, I think when people think of an interior pass rusher, they're, they're, they're thinking of the Chris Jones type. They're thinking of the, the, uh, the, uh, the Aaron Who plays as a five tech? Who plays as a five tech? You're listening off five right, techs. <laughs> they play. A, they play a lot of three technique too. They play a lot of. A, a lot they move of all over technique. the line, but the majority of their snaps come as a five technique. That's Aaron Donald is the one who made the five tech famous in modern football. That's a that's a good point. That's a, well, actually, JJ Watt is really the one that did that before Aaron Donald did. Like, like JJ Watt played a lot of five technique as well. Regardless, Aaron, like JJ JJ Watt was a four eye, but four eye five technique. I mean, that's just. There, there, I do want to grab talking, one comment real quick. Draymond Jones has the same problem as Chubb does, injury issues. He does, but it's not Draymond misses a game to maybe three, not seasons or half a season like Chubb does. So injuries are an issue there, but it's not nearly as extensive as that, as Bradley Chubb is. But anyways, Draymond Jones, a franchise tag in the trade is an option for it. it. I think that they want to keep him. I think they're going to do whatever it takes to keep him. And I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll let them play on the franchise tag. I think they'll want to get a deal done. And um, yeah, I mean he, he's great. You can move him all over the offensive line. He's better as a five tech statistically, um, analytics. And the big reason why he's better too is the run defense issue. He gets washed out a little more as a guard against lining up against guard as a three technique than he does outside, where he can hold up a little bit more against a tackle. Um, but yeah, I mean. He's great. He should be he should be retained. And there is a weird amount, not not talking about you, not talking about people in the chat, but I have seen people on Twitter flat out call Draymond Jones a terrible player, which is just insane to me. Yeah, no, that's that's not I, I want to say this nicely. That's not based in reality. Draymond Jones is a is a fantastic player. Um 
I personally think that you could play him a little bit more inside and he would have better value there than he would as a five and seven technique edge player. I think that that's, that's just my personal opinion. Regardless. Um, can, let's, let, okay. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Can, can we get, can we get the classifications down here? Zero to one is a nose tackle. Yes. Three to a five technique is an interior defensive lineman. Yes. Five or seven, sometimes a five, five to nines are your edge rushers. Yes. And it depends on where you're playing. Draymond Jones spent most of his time as a five technique, moving mostly inside, fewer mm-hmm. standing as a stand-up edge rusher. He's yes. an interior defensive lineman that can move about on the offensive line. He's not not in terms of player, but in terms of what they're being asked to do, he's the same thing as J.J. Watt, as Aaron right. Donald, or right. as Chris Jones. Right. Just want to clear that up. So can I, can I say this, and we'd be on kind of the same page here. In terms of playing a three-four defensive end, your your four-I five technique somewhere around in there, I think he would be better suited as a four-three or a four-three three tech. That's that's what I'm coming across as. He would be better suited so, playing a four-three three tech because of that first step burst. We're spending way too much time on this one. So going in going in on that, I mean that's a whole other conversation to have because three-four four-three. Yeah, just throw that crap out the window. It doesn't matter in right, modern football. Right. So it, the biggest thing is that with run fills where it matters, it doesn't matter. If you're running a 4-3, you can still have a zero technique. You can still have a five technique, a three technique, mm-hmm. and a seven technique. Mm-hmm. It, do, it doesn't matter. So when you're talking about a 4-3 as a three technique, it doesn't matter because you can still move your guys around as being a five technique. Look at – everybody wants to talk about John Fox's defense being a 3-4. Technically, it was a 4-3 under. Technically, the Jack Del Rio, John Fox stuff. And if you want to look at those defenses – Wade Phillips is another one that was technically a 4-3 uh, under, but the di- difference mm-hmm. is, is that fourth edge rusher was a guy just ha- was in a two-point stance and a three-point stance. That's a big reason. Like You can look at those and be like, okay, yeah, they're definitely dead here. But where did Derek Wolf play? In, these four, in what these were, 4-3 fronts, mm-hmm. and he determined your front based off of the run fills. Mm-hmm. Your 4-3 front is what it was technically because of the run fills. Derek Wolf was your five technique, not a three mm-hmm. technique. He was a five technique. Right. So he was when you just... start talking about, when you start talking about going to four, three and thinking he's better as a three technique, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because you can still make him work and use him as a five technique. Right. Wow. That was a, a very fun conversation. I, <laughs> I do appreciate <laughs> that. Like, and a lot of that comes down to like semantics, you know, like you're, you're talking in a different way that would like, we agree on a lot of the same things. It's just, I'm trying to make a different point than you are. And we're kind of button heads on that. Regardless, let's, let's move forward away from that. The last guy that I want to talk about here, specifically in terms of a trade piece. And this one to me is really the least likely to, um, to, to be moved on from first off, because I think that a lot of the players in the locker room would revolt and a lot of players, a lot of people, fans specifically around Denver would, really be it would be a massive outcry against this but the most valuable player that you have that you could potentially move on from in terms of the money working out and the maximum value of bringing in as much draft capital for this particular season is Justin Simmons like plain and simple he led the league in interceptions this season forced the most turnovers in the NFL this season and he missed five games in doing so you're literally talking about a top two player, and he's probably not number two on this Broncos team right now. And to me, 
you can get second round value out of a player like him. What do you think on moving Justin Simmons here, Eric? Um, of all the players that we're talking about with trading, he's the one that's the most financially feasible, mm-hmm. which it's going to hear a lot about finances because of Russell Wilson's contract and everything. You mm-hmm. got to factor that in. He counts 18.15 against the salary cap this year. If you trade him pre-June 1st, you can save 10.65 against the salary cap compared to 7.5 dead. So financially, he's the most feasible. Now, the issue is, is who's taking over for him? Caden Cerns, who we've barely seen on the field. Um, PJ Locke. Who? Like, it's another one of those things. Same thing with Bulls. Mm-hmm. If you trade Justin Simmons, you have to go out and you have to get a veteran to replace him. Yep. Because rookie safeties can take a little while to develop, and you don't want to bet on a rookie safety. So then you get into the whole thing of the locker room, of him being a uh, leader in the locker room, of him being an outspoken voice in the locker room. Um, it's just financially, it may be financially feasible, but, you know, team building, it's not feasible in that way. Um, and he's an, he's been a popular one to be thrown out. A lot of people are throwing around him as part of the trade compensation for Sean Payton, which really wouldn't have worked due to the rules and how that and trading players and trading coaches and how that stuff works. Um, so it would, it, it's just, it's rough. Um, I've liked what Stearns has shown, but we haven't seen it enough. And guess what? You already have to replace Kareem Jackson because Kareem Jackson has proven he's not a starter. Yep. So it's, and it's rough to do. You mentioned PJ Locke, who I thought played, relatively well given the opportunities that he did have um all three of them this year yeah it wasn't it wasn't very much that he got to play but he did at least step in and and play at least okay as an overhang safety so uh, i mean but you're not asking a guy like that to step in and and fill what justin simmons was able to do like you said kareem jackson is a free agent this season and they're probably not going to bring him back um caden stearns is hurt we don't know where he's coming from and if you move on from Justin Simmons, you've got to find, like you said, a veteran player, but then maybe look to the draft this season. And this safety class is really fun. There's a lot of quality players there, and we can actually get into this here in just a few minutes. But based on what you're getting from Justin Simmons, what, a, a two and a three, maybe? Uh, maybe two third-round picks? So to stack Maybe yourself, a third-round value at most. It, I, I value him a little bit more than that partially because I'm biased in this, but at the same time, you're talking about a high quality, all pro level player at the, at the safety position that gets his hands on a lot of footballs and really excelled in this, uh, Ajiro Evero, um, defense this last season. He also excelled with Vic a couple of seasons ago as well. So to me, I, I, I'm not willing to move on from a guy like that, that, you know, is a rock at the, at the safety position. He can play down in the box. He can play single high. He has enough range to play and cover three. If you want to do that. So I, I think if he does, then why did they never do it? Well, he can as when they play, when they played cover, cover three throughout his whole career, it was, know, it, it was which, never the single high safety. I don't think he has that range. Okay, I don't think that, he has that range personally, but that, that's what well, I was pushing back for you. And here's the thing with Justin Simmons. I think Justin Simmons is a great safety. I think he's without a doubt top five, if not top three at his position. Mm-hmm. But in every game where he makes a big play, you can count the big plays he allows equally. So if he has two do big plays on a ball, two interceptions, as far as fumble and interception, however, however you want to count them up, he will allow two big plays in that game as well. 
it's just the way of Justin Simmons, and it has been for his whole career, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There was one year, I think it was 2019, was or maybe might have been 2020, was the one year where he was like, it was really like, okay, he is great. He's not limiting the mistakes. Um, I like Justin Simmons. I'm not trying to slander him whatsoever or anything like that or make him to be worse than he is. I, again, I think he's a great player. But when you talk about value and everything for a safety, first of all, the position is so devalued. Yes. Yes. And then second of all, you do have to factor in the thing of, even though he gets his hands on the ball, it's still going to be problematic. I mean, and the typical typical rule of thumb is that you want to typically allow 1.5 or make 1.5 big plays compared over what you allow. That is why Diggs in Dallas is viewed so weird because he's just like right on that mark. Makes a lot of big plays, but allows some allows a lot of big plays. And the mark is just a little bit higher for the big plays he makes. Um, Justin Simmons is in that range too. And so Justin Simmons to me is third round value, probably getting a, might be able to get like a late third round pick and a fourth, late fourth round pick for him if you put him on the market. And then one issue too with Justin Simmons is that there's well-known issues that he had with a former head coach that leaked out onto the field and teams will look at that and be worried of that, those potential issues for them as well, which also hurts the issues that he has. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. It's, I guess I go back to the replacement value here. You've got a, a quality player here, and you're, you're turning to P.J. Locke, Caden Stearns, a potential draft pick, and whatever you can find out on the safety market this season. And I'm not familiar enough with free agency. I haven't gotten to that particular point in my study in terms of what is going to happen with the with the offseason um, thus far. So with Simmons – even if you get a third round pick for the guy, you're talking what Brandon Joseph from Notre Dame, Sidney Brown from Illinois, who I think Sidney Brown from really, Illinois, I think would actually be a, would actually be a great one. I uh, think yeah. he, the profile is there. He's a little bit smaller, but I think the profile of play style is similar to Justin Simmons. Yeah, yep. So, that, like, that's what you're you're counting on is a, a lottery ticket and two unproven players that have struggled at times, but also have shown some flashes of decent play. You're moving on from like you said, a top three potentially player at the position behind what Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, Jesse Bates, and then who that play in that, that that similar style of the safety position. I'm not talking like Jamal Adams, Derwin James, uh, the guys that play down in the box. Well, Jamal, Ad- Jamal Adams is bad. Yeah. And Derwin James, right. Derwin James is great. And Derwin James is a top three safety in it in the NFL. Um, and then real quick, just to, just to clear this up real quick is, I think Denver should ask for a lot more than a value of a third round for Justin Simmons yes. because the value, the value for him within the Broncos is greater than what it will be to other teams. And I'm also an firm. I'm also a firm believer that negotiating tactics is you ask for more than you know, you'll get and you settle for and you end up, you ask for more than what you really want and you'll settle for what you want. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of work your way towards that middle ground. So I think Justin Simmons, for the reasons you stated, Denver should ask for more. I just don't think his value to the rest of the NFL is as high as it is to the to the Broncos. Tom comes in with a dollar four ninety nine um, donation, saying which we super appreciate. Tommy says when Thank he you, was Tom. out, our defense didn't miss a beat. If we can at first, then yes, or a second and third, then okay. Mika Fitzpatrick got a first, I believe. Mika Fitzpatrick did get a first, and part of that is because of just the timing of it. He was still really fresh in the NFL. It was what after his first year, right? Uh, during yeah, the second I believe, year, I believe it was the uh, during the second year, maybe the third yeah, year. So he was he, he was uh, he was still fresh, 
And his play in Miami was good, not great. And the Steelers helped put him in a position to take that next level. Um, so I don't think that the age aspect of it, the contract aspect of it, those are two huge factors of it that kind of dragged the value of Simmons down compared to Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Oh, what a uh, time it would have been if the Browns would have done the smart thing at number four overall and taken Bradley Chubb in that draft because Mika Fitzpatrick was the guy that the Broncos had in terms of a target and moving back down the draft that, that particular season. I believe it was 20 A target, not the target. Well, a, yes, you're right, a target. Um, they, had a, they had a trade in the works with the Buffalo Bills because the Bills wanted to move up to number five to draft Josh Allen, and the Broncos were – um, I believe it was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or Bradley Chubb were the three players that they wanted to have at number five. And when, uh, like, there was really no shot uh, based on what their intel was that uh, Bradley Chubb was going to make it to five because they thought that he was going to go to the the Cleveland Browns at number four overall that year. Unfortunately, the Browns decided they were going to take Denzel Ward that year. Bradley Chubb fell to number five, and the rest is history. However, it would have been so much fun to have a – Back, a defensive backfield that had Justin Simmons, who the Broncos drafted the year before that, I do believe, 2017 or 2016 was the year that, that, that he was drafted. And then Mika Fitzpatrick lined up next to him. That was an actual possibility. And unfortunately, the Browns screwed the Broncos over and screwed us over out of watching high-quality safety play over the last three seasons, regardless. Um, <laughs> speaking of drafting, Eric, we've gone through pretty much every name that I wanted to talk about for the most part in terms of trade prospects um we've got some uh cut candidates to get some extra cap space but i'm i'm done talking about this let's have some fun um one of one of the things i don't, that we I, don't wanted, think, I don't think time will allow us to really do a mock draft as we intended to close oh, up the show at this point man we can man, go back I, and arguing about a five tech and draymond jones you know that was pretty fun um uh, <laughs> Let's. I really want to run a quick box rest. It's been a few days, but anyways, um, where, where do you want to pivot to? Let's let's go to the chat here really fast. Um, maybe well, let's talk about guys. some free agents at different positions. Yeah, um, one go. of the big ones was running back. Let me pull up a list here and talk about that. I mean, you know what I find interesting is that the Broncos had a chance to trade for Saquon Barkley last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, can can you imagine how that turned out? Um, Somebody mentioned, I saw, I see, you know, Todd Ossendorf here real quick says Jacob's going to end up being the top paid back in the NFL. Yeah, the franchise tag for them is under $10 million, and there's talk that they'll be willing to pay him upwards of $10 million. I expect the franchise tag to come down on Jacobs and then go on from there. Um, so he's not really a good target. So Quan Barkley, he's another one that right. I'm just not sure about. Raheem Mostert um, is an interesting one. It would depend on what he wants to come down and uh, how much it would cost to get him. Because he's not a guy that'd be expensive. I, I would expect, you know, I wouldn't want to do much more than a vet, min- vet minimum with his age. And then, um, but you do got to bring in a running back. You don't know how long mm-hmm. Javante Williams is going to be out. Um, there's talk of him being out until mid-October, early November. Um, I wouldn't mind bringing back Marlon Mack. Um, and even after you after you cut him, after you cut him, try to bring him back. Chase Edmonds, there seems to be interest in retaining him, but you're not mm-hmm. doing it at the $7 million cap hit he is this year. You're just not doing yeah. it. So it, you cut I, him I, and then look at bringing him back. I, I think and Latavius his, Murray. Yeah, Latavius Murray is another guy that I like. They brought him in on, a, a, I believe, a veteran minimum deal, if not a little bit more than that, maybe like a million dollars a season. Um, and he played very well. Like, there's – 
there's a weird infatuation with Latavius Murray in Broncos country right now. And um, I'm not exactly sure why, like he played well, let's, let's call a spade a spade for a guy that um, he, for, for what he was able to do, he runs hard. He's a, a quality pass protection back. He's decent out of the backfield as a receiver when he gets the limited opportunities that, that he does have, but the dude just falls forward. He gains positive yards every single time that uh, he, um, he touches the football. I'm looking up Chase Edmonds here right now and trying to find it. I know it is a two-year, $12 million contract he signed with the Dolphins last season. So this year, um, we're kind of running that out. And if the Broncos it's were just, to it's move just under on 6 from million. him. It's 5.92. Yeah. Yep, I, I just I just found that. 5.92. If they if they cut him, uh, they would save, I believe, 6 5.92. Oh, okay. So uh, same number there. <laughs> uh, regardless, uh, so Chase Edmonds. I think he brings a little bit of juice to this offense that you didn't see necessarily out of any of the other guys, even Marlon Mack, who I thought played pretty well as well. But um, Chase Edmonds has that extra gear that you really like to see in terms of a change of pace back. I think that bringing him back would be a very good thing. But another name Todd just dropped in here is Jarek McKinnon, uh, currently a backup running back for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, very high quality receiving back, scat back kind of type player. Um, and I believe he set an NFL record with like six straight weeks scoring a touchdown as a receiver. Um, so to me, that's that's a name that's probably going to be out of the Broncos price range in terms of bringing in a, a free agent. Eric, what do you think on Jerk McKinnon here? Uh, I think he's going to get paid a little bit more than what the Broncos will be willing to go there. I don't think they're at a point where they want to spend. Um, Tom came in with the dollar ninety nine. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate that. Um, Thanks, Tom. Anybody donating stars, we appreciate those. We're not able to see them while we're live, and Scott's not here tonight. So we appreciate them, and just know that as much as we'd love to point you out and single you out and everything, we just don't have access to do that. Um, but he says Dante Foreman cheap, and ran, he ran like a madman. Um, he did, and he was actually pretty solid for the Panthers there for a while. To me, he's kind of that mm-hmm. same mold as Murray. He'll fall and pick you up four yards pretty consistently. Um, talking about the love for Murray, like he ran with heart. I think um, Malcolm Brown came in here and made that comment. He, he did play with heart, and you could. All, it, it was very obvious that he, when he struggled to pick up yards or when he had a bad play, it, it affected him. But he had a short term memory. He went out there and he was able to pick up, um, do more. Um, but honestly, he's not worth more than a vet minimum at this point. Um, he's worth keeping around just for additional depth in the offensive line. He had five games last year, though, where he ran well below the 3.3 rushing yard per carry average that you want. Yeah. And advanced analytics. And some games were kind to him and other games were not. And he was boosted in multiple games to get over that mark by just, like, one big run. A lot of it was two or three yards, and then he'd bust off that one big run, and that would really change the, you know, average that he had for the game. So he's fine. I think there are a good number of guys that are worth looking at. Um, Boston Scott, I think, goes a little bit under the radar, you know, with the Eagles. Um, Jamal Williams, he's one of those guys that I think would end up costing a little bit too much. Dude's mm-hmm. a touchdown machine, and I, lo- I love his attitude, too. I mean, um, he's into anime. He's into Pokemon. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's a nerd. Uh, and I absolutely <laughs> love, that about, love that about him. And he, he's not afraid to show it. And it carries over. I mean, he's lighthearted. He likes to have fun, but he knows when to be serious. Yeah. So I really like I, I like the idea of that. But again, I think he's going to be a little bit too expensive. Um, 
But it also, this is a good year for running backs. Like, there's some good quality yeah. running backs that can be had day three. Chase Brown, specifically, we were talking about Sidney Brown, the safety from Illinois. His twin brother, Chase, is a very good running back from um, from Illinois as well. Fumbling issues are the one big thing you really have to work worry about him. But as a between-the-tackles runner, a, a quality receiver out of the backfield, decent pass protection kind of a guy. Um, struggled at the Senior Bowl, from what I understand. And, Eric, you can kind of bounce off of that a little bit uh, as well. But Chase Brown, uh, probably third, fourth-round value player that the Broncos can get to, to come in and, and uh, bolster this running back room. I've got one here for Rohit. And, Rohit, this is a new name. So, thank you, Rohit, for joining us. And hopefully you enjoy yourself tonight. Uh, Kareem Hunt, the former Kansas City Chief, former Cleveland Browns, going to be a free agent this season. High quality player, kind of fell out of favor there in Cleveland this last season. As, I mean, when you're running behind Nick Chubb, it's kind of hard to really gain favor there. But Kareem Hunt, um, two questions here. First off, would you be willing to bring Kareem Hunt in? And then, secondly, probably more importantly, um, given the Broncos cap situation right now and where they are at in terms of being able to bring players in, how much money are we, are you willing to spend on a, I don't want to say marquee running backs. You're not bringing in Saquon. You're not bringing in Josh Jacobs. You're not bringing in guys like that. But in terms of a second back, are you willing to go in the four and a half, five, six million dollars range? Or are you looking for more value than that? I'm looking to draft somebody um, and then signing somebody for a near minimum deal mm-hmm. um, value of the running back position is so low. And, and this year, like really showed it. Jared McKinnon was huge for the chiefs and he got paid a vet minimum deal basically. Um, so I think it's just uh, as, as nice as it would be, the value of it just isn't, you know, great. And uh, Philip Lindsay, I see chatter that the Philip Lindsay ship has sailed. Um I, I think the Philip Lindsay ship in the NFL has sailed. I, I don't think he's going to get another opportunity. Not given his age, the the um, the lack of ability as a as a third down player, given his size and uh, size and stature limitations, his inability to block, his not being a great receiver out of the backfield. Uh, I mean, as an XFL player, sure, I think that he's going to have he's going to go make some money at that particular level. But his his run in the NFL is pretty much done, which is unfortunate. I like Philip Lindsay. I think that uh, it, it was a great fan story. He played very well for the Broncos his first two or three seasons, but it, it, that that ship's done sailed, and it's passed by another ship coming back in the night. Um, Eric, do you still have free agency pulled up there? I've got a name here. And this, depending on how the Broncos go about their uh, their cap situation, getting a little bit extra money, John Havlicek jumping in here. Offensive lineman. Obviously, we started the show here talking about Garrett Bowles, uh, potentially moving on from him. We went into Graham Glasgow as well. We already know the right tackle situation has been a revolving door forever. But Mike McGlinchey, starting right tackle for the San Francisco 49ers this season, who fits multiple different schemes, is a very high-quality player, is going to be a very high price tag. The Broncos interested there? I mean, I don't know if they're interested or not, but I don't think that they uh, should be. Um, Why not? I don't think he's very good. I think he's very overrated. Um, as we've seen time and time again with the scheme that Kyle Shanahan runs, offensive linemen look better than they are. Um, same with running backs. Uh, it's very offensive line friendly, running back friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike McGlinchey just looks better. And when he's had to work outside the scheme, he just consistently loses. Uh, the playoff game, I mean, he got absolutely 
worked over in the playoffs multiple times when they had it play outside the scheme because of the injuries of the quarterback position. He's a guy that I think he's going to end up getting upwards of $12 million on an average per year basis. And I just don't think that he's, he's worth it. Um, going back real quick to Philip Lindsay. Um, didn't he quite all those doubts last Colts game? He did all that. Um, talking about Philip Lindsay here. Uh, he had 11 rushing rushes and three catches for a total of 54 yards. It was a solid game from him, but he was cut from the Cardinal or cut from the Colts a little bit after that. He's been on three teams in two years and has had a total of just over a hundred rushing attempts. Mm-hmm. Lindsay has consistently been pushed down and pushed out at multiple stops along the way. It is what it is. Running backs, you don't last long. Lindsay came into the NFL with a lot of miles on his tires he was great for the first two years. Injuries kind of derailed the third year there here in Denver. He's a great story, how he chose Denver, how his mom kind of told him to pick Denver over Baltimore. He's a great story. But again, the ship has sailed, and it's kind of a uh, thing that, as good a story is, it's time for Broncos fans to move on as the Broncos have moved on. Right. There, there was a statistic, and I know that I, I know you're you're going to know exactly where I'm uh, where I'm going to on this one. Um, Statistically speaking, backs that come into the NFL with over a thousand carries throughout their career in college, uh, eight hundred and fifty. Thank you. That's the one it was. Uh, how many carries did Philip Lindsay have? How many touches? I think it was touches. Um, did Philip Lindsay have his like nine hundred and fifty four? I think is what it was. Oh, I, I like, think it was, it was a lot. Was a lot. lot. It, like it was a lot. Philip Lindsay, like you're, you're talking like Monte Ball. Monte Ball had over a thousand touches at, at Wisconsin and came into the NFL. And through other reasons here, I'm not going to completely discount it as uh, as to that. He he had alcohol issues and I believe drug issues there as well. Uh, I know for a fact alcohol issues were a big thing with Monte Ball. Um, but like you're, you're, when they when guys like that get run into the ground over and over and over again, there are very few exceptions to that rule of players that come into the NFL with uh, with over 850 touches at, at the college football level that actually have long uh, long term NFL careers that have a, a, a high level of success. The one most specifically right now that I can think of is uh, Derrick Henry, and I don't even think he had over a thousand touches at Alabama. He was a three year player there. He just ran all over everybody at the high school level. Regardless, not to make this about Lindsay any more than it needs to be. That like there's there's a reason why Lindsay, first off, the size and stature, the the amount of touches that he had in Colorado, and and it, it's like like Dylan Von Ark says, it's a fun story. But we've moved on. Um, speaking of moving on, we are right at just past seven o'clock here. A couple minutes left in terms of our hour long show. I do have to ask you, Eric, and I know that the answer is probably going to be don't care. Um, who do you got in the Super Bowl this week? Super Bowl is on I Sunday. I do care. I, I oh, do you- care. I won't, wa- I won't watch the game, but the Chiefs are in it. I can't root for the Chiefs, man. Right. I, I think that I'm rooting for the Eagles to win it all mm-hmm. um, for a few reasons. One, keeping the streak of the MVP not winning the Super Bowl when they're in it alive. Um, and you know, just there's a lot of there's a lot of talented players on that Eagles defense. Fletcher Cox, like mm-hmm. he already has a Super Bowl ring, he deserves another. He's been good for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way that they run. I love the way Howie Rossman just works everything consistently, mm-hmm. and how he gives valuations um, or how he uh, evaluates you know if the trade is good for them or not, things like that. Um, 
So, yeah, I think that I, I want the Eagles to win. And I think they're in a good position to win. They, mm-hmm. How they work the running game and just how beautiful their offensive line works in unison. That's probably the biggest reason why I want them to win. Yeah. Their offensive mm-hmm. line consistently, like, if you want, like, textbook play on the offensive line, the Eagles consistently, like, just working in unison on an individual level, everything is just always so beautiful. Um, but, yeah, the, the Chiefs can go get bent for all I care. Um, you know, going into some personal things, the, the things that they've done to protect the son of the coach and, you know, or, and all the crappy stuff he's done over the years, like, the Chiefs can get bent. Yeah, I'm... I'm Pardon the verbiage. It, like, well, it, no, you're you're good. You didn't say anything that wasn't PG thirteen, so you're fine. Um, I was gonna say quadruple F the Chiefs because I mean, first off, my buddy Cody's in the other room and he's a huge Chiefs fan. But uh, no, it, obviously Pat Bullen said that the Broncos fans should never root for anybody in the AFC West to have any kind of success. I cannot pull myself to root for the Chiefs. There's um. A, a couple of big things that I do like about the Eagles. Uh, first off, the, I don't want to call it a um, re- resurgence, but the the standout part of this season to me is the um, the, the comeback ability of uh, Son Reddick. Like he had such an amazing season coming off the edge for that team. Fletcher Cox as well. Brandon Graham is a player that I really like a lot. Um, but then you've got the safety Marcus Epps from Wyoming. Uh, that, that's a big thing there. Um, another player that I uh, have a personal connection to is Isaac Sumalo from uh, their the, the right guard, I believe is what he plays for the, for the Eagles. Um, Oregon State guy. I know uh, a, a couple people that were friends with him um, back at Oregon State. So root for him through those guys as well. And also he's a free agent and he fits with what the Broncos want to do with their offensive line. So let's see if we can go and and, and pay a, a guy like that. But uh, I also like Jalen Hurts and the resurgence that he has had his in career for in his career uh, getting released uh, and transferring from Alabama, going to Oklahoma, winning the Heisman Trophy, being a guy that nobody really thought was going to be a, a, a quality player in the NFL. So to me, there's there's enough here. <laughs> Screw the Chiefs. We all hate them. I have a big uh, a, a big rooting interest in the Philadelphia Eagles. And to me, it's going to be a lot of fun. So anyways, with that, guys, I think that we're going to call her a night here. Eric, do you have anything else you want to touch on last minute here? Yeah, JP Ford, thank you for joining the chat. I mean, we've seen you all night. I don't recognize your name. I just want to give right. you a shout out. You've been really active and we appreciate that. And he said, he actually brings a pretty decent comment. So do you think we would bring Mike Munchak back? Well, Denver did hire an offensive line coach in Zach Schreif, which I really like to hire. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, we could have had a chance, perfect chance to talk about him a little bit through all those offensive line talk, talk, but we decided to spend 15 minutes arguing about Draymond Jones. Your fault. Um, <laughs> but I really like Zach Streif, And I think that, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing Mike Munchak back as a consultant or, you know, a um, offensive advisor. I don't think it happens at this point, um, which is unfortunate. Um, I, I, I really like Munchak. Mike Munchak. He's a good dude. And the players loved him. Um, unlike, you know, the previous offensive line coach. I think they'll grow to love Zach, um, Zach Schreif too. Um, nothing but praise for him. I really like the hire. Yeah. I, I do as well. Munchak, in terms of being a, a consultant, would be something that I would be very interested in doing as well. Um, I'm very interested to see how this uh, th- this offensive staff is is, sh- is going to shake out. Um, from the sound of it, going to be a lot of Saints guys 
that, that are coming in. Um, Ronald Curry, I believe, is the quarterback's coach from the Saints right now, is potentially being the offensive coordinator. Joe Lombardi as well, former guy that worked with the uh, with uh, uh, Sean Payton as an offensive Bruce? coordinator down there in uh, in New Orleans. Go, go ahead. There's actually an interesting thing that they could do because Joe Lombardi was fired from the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I think they could, could really look at uh, bringing in Curry as the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. which would be a promotion for him as he's the quarterback's, I believe the quarterback's coach there Yes, yep. in, with the Saints, and then bringing Joe Lombardi in. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they end up doing. Yeah, I, I, that would actually behoove them because you could have Joe Lombardi, who is a very good quarterback's coach, or, wait no, I'm thinking Joe Brady. Never mind. Uh, I was gonna say because uh, I was gonna say Joe Lombardi was the offensive coordinator in LSU when um, Joe Burrow had that crazy yeah, season. Yeah, that was Joe that Brady. Was Brady. That, that, that was Joe Brady. So uh, excuse me on that. Lombardi's actually been a, a very highly sought after offensive mind in the NFL for a long time. Uh, bounced around for a while there. He was uh, specifically with New Orleans there, I believe, as their quarterbacks coach underneath Pete Carmichael for the longest time. So um, Lombardi being a quarterbacks coach coming back to Denver with Ronald Curry as the uh, the offensive coordinator is something I really am interested in. Uh, Mike Munchak coming along as the uh, the offensive line coach or at least an, uh, an offensive uh, uh, assistant or consultant is something else that I, I really like as well. And J.P., Thank you again for joining us. Thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. We appreciate all your guys' love and support. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Notice the CK in Eric, the proper way of spelling that name. Um, also, guys, uh, follow at DVDD underscore pod. That's a podcast account where you guys are going to find out what we're talking about every single um, every single night here on Dove Valley Deep Divers every Friday, at least. Uh, also at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you guys find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos. Um, HuddleUpPod.com, guys, that's the merch booth where you guys can find yourself a hat like this. You've got T-shirts, um, face masks, coffee cups, anything to suit your fancy. A uh, great way to support the show. And if you guys are unable to support the show financially through um, – the through the the merch website or through stars facebook donations um or youtube super chats anything like that subscribe everywhere you guys watch this this show any anything you guys can do to subscribe to uh, mile high huddle youtube facebook twitter twitch doesn't matter subscribe to mile high huddle like every video you guys see um and if you love it please share it and get it in front of as many broncos fans as humanly possible because without your guys support we could not do what we do on a daily basis you guys help keep the lights on here for dove valley deep divers and for everybody here at the mile high huddle podcast community so without your support guys we couldn't do what we do best here um, Eric, I think with that, we're pretty much out of here, man. Uh, hopefully you have a great weekend. Um, I hope you have a great weekend as well. And I hope everybody in the chat has a wonderful Valentine's Day with their significant other. If they celebrate the holiday, I know not a lot of people do because it's, you know, just a show holiday for jewelry companies and flower companies. Yeah. It, happy Valentine's Day. You should love your, you should love your significant other every single day of the year. And you don't need one day to show your affection for them. So make sure you buy flowers more than one time every single season with that guys, you all stay safe. Take care. Have a great weekend. Go Eagles. And as always go Broncos. And you don't need one day to show your affection for them. So make sure you buy flowers more than one time every single season with that guys, you all stay safe. Take care. Have a great weekend. Go Eagles. And as always go Broncos. You need parts. O'Reilly auto parts has parts need them fast. We've got fast. 
No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 